Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Unnamed Sports Show. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jason and Jerry. How we doing, fellas? We doing pretty good. How you doing? Good. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great for a Wednesday. Yes, sir. E- yes, sir. Yes, sir. Last Wednesday of football games to be played in the NFL. Quite sad. I don't know what our show is going to look like next week, honestly. <laughs> little recap, and I don't know what's going on after that. So looks like I'm going to have to start paying attention to other sports. we got a lot of basketball to watch. We, yeah. A lot of basketball. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. Hey, March is around the corner. True. It is. It is. I am very excited for that. Uh, before we get started, don't forget to follow us. Uh, on our social media at Unnamed Sports Show, uh, give us a like. Uh, make sure to subscribe here on YouTube. We really appreciate the support. We appreciate uh, everyone who's tuning in. If you're tuning in afterwards or have to leave and like to catch us at a later date, you can find us wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. And again, don't forget to rate us, like us, tell us why we're awesome, all that good stuff. So again, we appreciate. <laughs> again, we appreciate all your support. And uh, let's jump right in, fellas. A uh, little bit of a different episode today. We're going to focus solely on football, considering this is the last week of football games. Uh, we're going to start the episode off by talking about our end-of-year awards, so MVP, Player of the Year, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, we'll, we'll go to our uh, regularly scheduled intermission and then get to a Super Bowl preview in the back half of the episode. So NFL end of year awards. It's been an interesting, crazy, amazing, fun, sad, wonderful year for all three of us. None of our teams are playing in the Super Bowl, which sucks. And uh, one of our team's heated rival is playing in the Super Bowl, which sucks for that person. You can see it right over his left shoulder, right shoulder, if you're looking at the screen. And, uh, both shoulders, that mean, both shoulders tell the story. <laughs> very true. Very true. But that doesn't mean we can't honor some of the uh, amazing players from this season. So we'll start right at the very beginning, uh, right at the top. We have the MVP. Jerry, if you were to give out your most valuable player of the year award, who would you give it to? I would have to oh, give by it the to. Way, real quick, real quick. Sorry, real quick. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, the way we did this, we didn't like mix anything together. We didn't purposely pick like, oh, I'm picking somebody different because you picked this. We all picked the player for this that we believe in. So there's some overlap. There's one section where all of us literally have the same player. So there's a couple of that. We thought it would be most genuine to for all of us to just truly think, who, pick who we truly think should win that award. So I apologize, Jerry. Go ahead. Who was your MVP? My MVP, quarterback. For the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, dude just had an insane season, 67% completion percentage, 102.7 passer rating, 24-7 to touchdown to interception. But we know what makes Lamar Jackson great, right? His rushing ability, his ability to scramble out of the pocket, his ability to not only improvise and create runs for himself, but also... He has designed runs in the playbook. He had 821 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns to go along with it. The biggest reason that the Baltimore Ravens were the number one seed in the AFC going into the playoffs this season was because of Lamar Jackson. 
And in years past, it has been proven time and time again that he is clearly the most valuable player on that team because we've seen Lamar Jackson go down in the past and the Ravens just, they're, they're not the same team without him, right? Are you talking about they don't have Huntley pro bowler last year? Huntley? Hey, pro bowler <laughs> Tyler Huntley. He, he might, he might, if he was a full-time starter, he might have a case for MVP, but he's not. He's not. No, he, no. he, he would not. No, he would not. But Lamar Jackson, um, by far the most important player to his team, I think. Uh, he was the reason they had the number one rushing offense in the league this year. Uh, he willed that team to victory in many of their games. Absolutely lit up the 49ers in a matchup of one seeds uh, when they went to San Francisco. He was absolutely dominant in that game. Um, and I know, obviously, this is these are regular season awards. His playoff performance was not up to snuff. Uh, against the Chiefs, but we're talking strictly regular season here, and he had, I think, by far, through and through, the best regular season out of any other player in the league. Well, any other quarterback in the league. We'll get into offense player of the year and all that. But he was the most valuable player to his team this season, Lamar Jackson, quarterback, Baltimore Ravens. Jason, I know that, uh, not to ruin who your pick is, so I'll just give you the floor. Go ahead. Who was your pick (laughs) for MVP this year? My pick was also Lamar Jackson. Um, if the MVP wasn't a quarterback award, it might have been someone else, Christian McCaffrey. Um, but pretty much the same reasons. Uh, best runner. Um, I think he was the most consistent player um, out of the finalists this year. And uh, definitely was a big part. I mean, no, they weren't injured like the Browns, but they had some injuries. J.K. Dobbins going down early in the year. Um, and then just rotating through like three different running backs throughout the whole year. Your best offensive weapon gets hurt, Mark Andrews, um, and he's still able to carry this team to a number one seed. Um, and also, like Jerry said, while he's never been seen to be an elite quarterback, it's always because he has the extraordinary ability to run. But in my opinion, he can also throw very well, um, especially in the seams two tight ends, and that's why even when Mark Andrews was down, Isaiah likely still was having a good game. So without the amazing talent at wide receiver that they didn't have, I mean, yes, they do have a wide receiver one now, but a lot of the other receivers were dropping balls. They still didn't get much consistency out of anyone else other than him and um, likely, but he still performed well enough to carry the team to a number one seat. So, MVP, Lamar Jackson. I like it, fellas. And and you guys probably uh, line up with who is actually going to win the MVP. My MVP is a little bit different. Uh, similar, it's a quarterback award at this point. They should just name it quarterback of the year instead okay. of MVP. Uh, my, my, uh, the, my pick was Brock Purdy. In all the quarterback metric and stats, he was better than Lamar Jackson. Better completion percentage, better quarterback rating or passer rating, better QBR, uh, higher. Um, the touchdown interception ratio is about equivalent, about three to one, uh, but more touchdowns. Uh, the issue that everyone seems to say with Brock Purdy is well, of course, he had all of these uh, accolades, of course, he had all these this uh, success. Look who the talent around him on his team is. And 
that's fair. I think that's a it's it's a fair criticism. But Lamar Jackson has the same talent defensively around him as Brock Purdy does on offense. I mean, the the the, the Ravens defense was the best defense in the NFL, and the 49ers defense is good. It is not the Ravens defense. The Ravens defense is the best. I mean, considering what we saw the Browns do at the end of the season, the Ravens defense ended up being the best defense in the NFL this season. And Lamar Jackson is constantly playing with leads and running the ball. Uh, and Brock Purdy plays with a lot of leads too. Again, we're, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's not, but you're talking about a guy again, a 70% completion percentage, 113 passer rating, 31 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. And he has his team in the Super Bowl. And again, this is a regular season award, so you can't count the playoffs. And it's not like he played absolutely fantastic in either of his playoff games, but at the end of the day, I think Brock Purdy has the the best stats. He has led his team, and I think part of it, too, for me, is you have a guy who was Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft. Nobody thought this person would be here, and he is definitely a top-five quarterback in the NFL this season, and, again, leading his team. The quarterback is the leader. He has he has the best passer rating in the NFL, like – I. I I'm not sure what all the hate is. Not saying you guys are hating, but there's a lot of hate out there. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, he shouldn't be considered. He had the best stats uh, pretty much out of everyone. So that's my pick for MVP. I like it. I think um, I think it's like 1A and 1B. I think both players are very deserving oh, yeah. of the award. Yeah. And I think what Brock Purdy really did well this year is he kind of – he shut up a lot of critics. He had a lot of criticism coming into the season. He can only throw screen passes. He can only turn around and hand the ball to Christian McCaffrey. He's shown that he's able to to push the ball downfield um, and make those, those clutch throws that are needed to be made to get to the point where he's at right now to get into the Super Bowl. Um, so I think that's, you know, kudos to him for doing that. And like you said, when you're the last pick in the draft, nobody expects you to be there. He's doing, uh, (laughs) he's doing some crazy things and he's going to make a lot of money, um, when his rookie contract is up. Yeah. Uh, to put in perspective too, he lives with a roommate right now in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So just, just for those of you who, who don't realize that there's a quarterback who's being considered for MVP who lives with a roommate in an apartment in San Francisco. So pretty Pretty crazy. Um, I was going to add on to that, and uh, I forgot what I was going to say. So must have not been – oh, <laughs> it was important. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot. Do you know the only team in the NFL to beat both of the front runner MVP candidates? The Cleveland Browns. That's right. Don't you forget about it. All right. The new Browns. The new Browns. Yeah, sorry. We, we beat the old Browns and the 49ers. Um, but that's our picks for MVP. I pick Brock Purdy. They pick Lamar Jackson. Uh, offensive player of the year. This one is going to be unanimous. Uh, go ahead, Jason. Tell him who it is. It is Christian McCaffrey. And uh, like I said before, if there was, if the MVP was not a quarterbacks award this mvp would be going to christian mccaffrey because he was by far the best player on the offense side of the ball this year in the nfl christian mccaffrey ran had sorry 2023 yards apy yards all purpose purpose yards all purpose yards thank you i was like attempts for yard no that doesn't make sense Uh, (laughs) 21 touchdowns 
5.4 yards per carry. And let me tell you what. This man is an all-you-can-do it back. Um, he can rush. He can receive. When you think you have him locked up, he's getting three yards, three yards. He'll break one for 80 yards. And then he'll make some crazy play in the red zone. They, he, there was a while, I think it was like 16 weeks in a row, where he was getting a touchdown every game. Mm-hmm. Like you could have put him on back to back and you'd have been around a hundred thousand dollars if you put in like ten dollars at the beginning or mm-hmm. something like that. So crazy. This guy is again, hands down the best player in the NFL on the offensive side of the ball. Absolutely. Moving on. Defensive player of the year. Jerry, why don't you lead us off? Who's your defensive player of the year? Defensive player of the year. Brian's going to hate me for this one. T.J. Watt from the Pittsburgh Steelers, the absolute anchor of that defense. The the defense wasn't wasn't what it usually is. They were good. They were good this year. But their defense, um, the Steelers' defense has perennially been, you know, top of the league. Only reason, the only reason why it was even somewhat good this year, I think they were, I think, I don't think they were top 10 or maybe top 15, so they were kind of like middle of the road, was because of T.J. Watt. 19 sacks on the season, four forced fumbles, 19 tackles for loss. Just an absolute beast. Year in, year out, T.J. Watt has been, ever since he came into the league, has followed in the footsteps of his brother J.J. and just been an absolute monster at the edge position. He's won a defensive player of the year. And something to consider there, too. uh, interesting stat again makes me puke, but TJ Watt, uh, career wise, the Steelers are one in ten in games that he does not play. One in ten, which is pretty freaking crazy. So TJ Watt is a very very good player. The AFC North is stacked with defensive ends talent. Defensive end talent. I guess he's technically a linebacker, but uh, edge, it, edge, yeah. edge talent. Yes. Uh, all all four now. teams. <laughs> What'd you say? I said it's twenty twenty four now. They're oh, edges. Sorry, sorry. Edge <laughs> defense. They're defensive ends. Uh, but the the AFC North had four guys, all of whom could be considered in defensive player of the year this year, which is pretty absurd. So. Uh, Jason or uh, Jason, who was your defensive player of the year? Miles Garrett, and I think I'm gonna pass it back to you to explain why. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. <laughs> I was gonna take it, and then I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. No, but he passed it to me anyway. Miles Garrett, 14 sacks this year, four forced fumbles, 17 tackles for lost, and one uh, uh, blocked kick this year. He had, especially the first half of the season, he had uh, uh, 11 of his 14 sacks in the first 10 games of the season, first nine games of the season. He was on pace to set the NFL record for single-season sack mark. Then he injured his shoulder in the uh, Denver game, and ever since then he had been, he'd slowed down significantly. But I don't, I don't think we should let – a little bit of slowness on the back half detract from how dominant he was all season. He had the most, the highest double team percentage in the NFL. He had the number two pass rush win rate in the NFL. And that was for the entire season. And 
Look no further than week three against the Tennessee Titans when he got a delay of game penalty because he just kept going to each side of the line and both tight ends were following him every single play. He's a single man wrecking crew. He's the kind of guy that is uh, just just a he's the only player to have double digit sacks uh, in all the last six seasons. Only player in the NFL. I mean, he's an absolute monster, and I think this was by far his most dominant season. He's entering his prime. I think he was the defensive player of the year this year. Anything to add yeah. on top of that, Jason? No, I, I'll kind of be a middleman in this and say that I think Miles Garrett is the defensive player of the year, and like you said, yes, he did slow down a little bit, but that man was still getting double-teamed, triple-teamed, and to a mm-hmm. sense where um, – these are both of these players are cornerstones of their yeah, defense. Absolutely. And without those without those players that they don't run the same. So both great players. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And and actually for defensive player of the year, there's a lot of great candidates this year. It's not as set in stone as a lot of these other ones. You have players like Micah Parsons and Deron Bland who set the pick six record this year. You have uh Max Crosby, who plays basically 100% of snaps. Nobody does that. I mean, a lot of really, really talented defensive players this year. A lot I'm of players. biased. A lot of players so, left off the list, too, that could have been easily considered yeah. for it. Josh Allen. I mean, that's what Jason's The real Josh for. Allen. <laughs> the real Josh Allen. Yeah, the real Josh Allen. Trey Hendrickson. Uh, all of these guys have been absolutely fantastic this year. So, um, so that's our defensive player. Those are our defensive player of the years. You know, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, AFC North taking it home in that sector. Uh, moving on, we have Offensive Rookie of the Year. This one I thought was going to be unanimous. Ended up not being unanimous. I'm going to lead this one off if that's okay with you fellas. Uh, my pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year is none other than C.J. Stroud. Uh, C.J. Stroud did something that's only ever been done twice in the NFL before, and both times that was done, those were players that were playing in the Super Bowl and won MVP. C.J. Stroud led the NFL in touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he led the NFL in yards per game. The only reason he wasn't the overall yards leader is because he missed two games during the season, but he averaged 273 yards a game. That in, that is of quarterbacks that played more than eight games, I believe. Uh, one of our comeback player of the years uh, technically did average more yards per game than C.J. Stroud. And uh, whoever picked that person can get to that later. But he averaged 273 yards per game. And again, he did all of this as a rookie. This isn't a fifth, sixth, seventh year NFL vet. This is a rookie that is leading the league in yards per game and touchdown to interception ratio. And it, it's, it was one of those unbelievable seasons. The only other two quarterbacks to do that, Joe Montana in 1989 and Tom Brady in 2007. So those guys are pretty uh, pretty, good. I I would say, (laughs) I would say, I would say those guys are pretty good. Uh, Carolina Panthers are kicking themselves right now for not taking CJ Stroud. Um, But what, what an incredible season. Oh, go ahead, Jason. I, 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 I'll go to you next on your thoughts on offensive rookie of the year. He couldn't have said it any better, but uh, <laughs> I'll add a little bit on the fact that 
if you want to be a good professional player, go to Ohio State because a lot of rookie of the years go to Ohio State. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, little plug. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Jerry, your offensive rookie of the year. It is not CJ Stroud. I will mention I did have a future on CJ Stroud to actually win MVP earlier in the season. That's how well he was playing. He was playing at an unbelievable level. And if he wins offensive player of the year, or offensive rookie of the year, kudos, no issues whatsoever. Very deserving. The real offensive rookie of the year, however, it's got to be the wide receiver from the Los Angeles Rams rookie wide receiver, fifth round pick, Puka Nakua. 105 receptions, 1,486 yards, both rookie records for a wide receiver. We're talking about the best rookie wide receiver of all time. Six touchdowns to go along with that. He was averaging 14.2 yards per catch. He broke the record for yards and catches for a rookie without having his starting quarterback for, I believe, half the season, maybe a little less than that. And we're also talking about a team that has a former Triple Crown winner on it. At the same time, who was also out for a little bit of the year. However, once Cooper Cup came back in, Puka Nakua's productivity did not diminish. It did not recede. He kept up at the same level that he was playing at. He's going to be an absolute monster in years to come. And it's also worth noting, I know it's a regular season only uh, award, but he broke the receiving record for yards in a game for a rookie with 186. So... You're going to give it to anybody that's not named CJ Stroud. It's got to be Puka Nakua, the best, the best rookie wide receiver of all time that the NFL has ever seen. And that's, that's a statement of fact because he's breaking every single record. Yeah, it's, 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 a, shame. it's a shame that he came out in this class. Yeah, it really is. Absolutely absurd year from Puka Nakua. And if he were to win, I mean – I think it would be a, a slight snub for CJ Stroud, but having said that, it, like this is almost one of those years. Like, uh, oh, what year was that? Twenty seventeen, when it was co won by Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. This is like a same kind of scenario. Like, you know, this no one would be mad if they co won uh, Rookie of the Year. Yeah, honestly. That's probably how it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Both absolutely outstanding players. Next one, defensive rookie of the year. This one ended up being what was, we were all picking all three different players and then changed to all to one person. Jerry, who was all of our defensive rookie of the year? Yeah, we were we were looking at three different players. I was looking at Devin Witherspoon, and then while he did have an incredible season, not quite up to snuff with uh, with this player. Jason, who were you picking? I forget who it was. Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter. Yeah, the Eagles suck. Can't pick them. Let's go <laughs> with the other side of the ball from C.J. Stroud. Will Anderson from Alabama. Seven sacks on the season. I'm going to be honest. I see on the Google Doc, PRWR. What the hell is that? Pass rush win rate. Pass rush win rate. Twenty six percent pass rush win rate. Third in the NFL. Third in the NFL. Third in the NFL. As a rookie, only behind Michael Parsons and uh, Miles Garrett. Unbelievable. 
the Texans defense does not give get enough credit for how good they were. I think it's because of how good the offensive was, and the offense is always going to get the limelight. But Will Anderson had an absolutely dominant season. I would not have been surprised to see him in the defensive player of the year conversation. He, that's how good of a season he had. Just absolutely dominant. Um, <laughs> just Will Anderson, C.J. Stroud, and D'Amico Ryans all in their first year doing what the Houston Texans did, win their division. It is absolutely insane. I'm I'm very scared of the Texans. Very scared for the rest of the AFC, especially <laughs> the AFC South, <laughs> for for years to come. They're they're going to be exciting to watch. Run for, uh, <laughs> uh, for, <laughs> from another fan of a, a AFC South team, Jason. What did you make of Will Anderson and what what the future is for the Houston Texans? Dominance, honestly, uh, it's a it's sad to see everyone stat chase because. The seven sacks doesn't give his season any justice. Like um, next next year, he'll be in ab- above twelve by far. He might be in that fifteen categories with sacks because um, when you're able to win, the pressures are always going to be there, and the pressures are what what most people look at to be the most effective stat to 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 see what a good rusher is. Right, the sacks are just additive for either a little bit of luck, a little bit of more hustle, a little bit more speed, and a little bit more strength. There's stuff like that. That that all comes in the future. So um, the same thing that happened with Josh Allen. Josh Allen was eight sacks, 10 sacks, and now 17 and a half this year. Like, same thing's happened with Trayvon Walker. Last year, he didn't have that many sacks. This year, stepped it up, got a little bit more. So he has a high win rate. He's going he's gonna to get a bunch of sacks next year. I'm worried because... Our offensive tackles, a little, little, little sketch, little you know? Sus. Little, little sus. Sus. Harrison did a better throughout the year, but he's going to have to do even better because Will Anderson is only going to get better and better, and that defense is only going to get better and better. Yes, shout out to the defense for performing well, but they don't have players. Like, they don't have – they have a good corner, a singletary. They have a really good – and they have pieces. They get more and more pieces and put it all together – with more draft picks, like what are we talking about? Like <laughs> this is da- this is a very dangerous team. Coming they have two year. first rounders this year. They have two first rounders this year. Do they? No, they, they traded. No, they, they traded. traded. One of the they best. Traded. One of the best I trades. Yeah, because they time. they did. I apologize, yeah. but they still have Cleveland's. Uh, yeah. So they still have year. they still have one. Yeah. And if I'm a free agent, I'm looking at this team like they have a young quarterback. They made it to the playoffs. Young defense, like. I'm and com- tons of cap room. Yeah, and yeah, tons of cap room. Like I'm coming. Like it's in Houston too. Like mm-hmm. it's a good city. You have a good coach. You see Demeco Ryan's bringing his players together. Like why not come? So I think this team is only going to get better, and uh, hopefully our front agency and GM can figure it out because uh, we're going to be in trouble if not. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that's our defensive player of the year, Will Anderson. I don't have much to add on that. I think they pretty much nailed it, hit the nail on the head. Moving on, we have comeback player of the year. This one's an interesting one. This is the only one where all three of us have different people for our comeback player of the year. Jason, we'll bounce right back to you uh, because yours is probably what's going to end up happening. Who was your comeback player of the year? How can you vote against it? It's Damar Hamlin. The man mm-hmm. last year was dead on the field. Went to the hospital. 
Heart literally God. stopped. Heart was literally stopped. Like, you, as a kid, we grow up, we watch so many videos. This is your last play. Play every play like it's your last because it could be. And you and you, you always keep that in the back of your mind, but it never happens until it happens. And it happened to DeMar Hamlin, and he came through, and uh, he was still able to... He still has to fight with that in the back of his head, right? Like, that's still something that's always going to be in his mind. And he, he still is willing to go out there and play the game he loves. And you you have to be impressed by that. And you have to appreciate that. One one thousand percent. And I don't think anybody is going to be upset when DeMar Hamlin inevitably wins the award. I mean, it's definitely, as far as a, a narrative story goes, the the best story in the NFL for sure. But if you want more of a statistic reason why someone might win comeback player of the year. We'll move on to Jerry. Jerry, who is your comeback player of the year this year? Quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. The fourth quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, Joe Flacco. Yo. <laughs> Joe Flacco. Yo. yo. Flacco. How, how, okay, from a, from a statistical standpoint, yes, he is alive. No, he did not die. He came in off his couch. Literally. Played literally off his couch, played five games for the Cleveland Browns this year. Five. And those five games. Five sorry, regular season plus regular one, season. One post yeah, we're not so, counting postseason. Yeah. We, we don't count the sorry, playoff. I just, playoff we don't, didn't happen. Playoffs. Yeah, throw, throw it out. Throw it out. True. We still had yeah. over 300 yards in that game, too. True. So anyway. In his five <laughs> regular season <laughs> games with the Cleveland Browns, he averaged 323 yards per game. Next closest quarterback to, I'll say, to finish the season because what, the next closest quarterback technically got injured halfway through the season. Next closest quarterback to that stat that finished the season as a starter. The C.J. Stroud at 273 yards per game. He is right. averaging more than 50, or 50 yards more than the next closest guy. Off his couch. Came in off the couch. I still got this thing, man. Let me just whip it around a little bit. Let me get it to Cooper. Let me get it to Njoku. Dude led a Browns team that had a record cap salary on their IR. They had a Pro Bowl roster out, injured, all season long. A Pro Bowl so roster true. out all season long and finished the season 4-1 and one to lead the Browns to the playoffs as a 5 seed. Not as a 7 seed. They did not sneak into the playoffs. They finished the season 11-6. 11-6 with a Pro Bowl roster on IR. That is incredible. Joe Flacco off his couch, 323 yards per game, 13 touchdowns, has not really been a starter in the NFL for the last four to five years. It's absolutely incredible. He has definitely made a case for himself to come back as an actual starter next year for a team. Probably won't be the Browns. I know he wants to get in and play somewhere else, but he is. if a team does not sign him to be a starter next year, that's hurting for a quarterback. Or maybe somebody gets injured and they don't bring him back. They're dumb because he he proved he can come in, still sling the ball. He still got he still got the most beautiful touch in the NFL on his passes. It's it, it's sexy to watch. But Joe Flacco, comeback player of the year, still alive. 
<laughs> <laughs> I love it. And and while Joe Flacco isn't my comeback player of the year, uh, to add on top of everything that you just said, you have to understand, like, to come off of literally not playing football and not being signed to a team, having 10 days and then you're starting and to go four and one in that time span. while also, like you said, throwing for 323 yards, 13 touchdowns. If you were to extrapolate this out into an entire season, now it, it'd be dang near impossible to keep up that sort of production. But let's say that they did. Joe Flacco would throw for nearly 45 touchdowns and almost 5,500 yards, which would both be MVP level uh, numbers. No, it's not again, even MVP that level. Like that is that is confirmed MVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's unless wait, it's, it's is unless it's the record actually. Unless it's 2009, it's definitely MVP. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what the record is actually. Yeah, 55, 55. That is the record. Yeah, Peyton Manning. Yeah, I should probably know that. Two thousand. You should definitely know, yeah, that. Yeah. know that. Yeah, <laughs> that season was awesome. <laughs> Until the Super Bowl. Uh, but anyway. Playoffs don't count, baby. Playoffs don't count. <laughs> yeah. Playoffs? Playoffs? No, but uh, Joe Flacco, DeMar Hamlin, both definite uh, deservers of this word award. And the last one, I think also definitely a deserv- deserver of this award. I have Baker Mayfield as my comeback player of the year. Obviously, I have a soft spot as a Cleveland Browns fan to for the guy that literally – brought us from one in 31 to a actually respectable franchise. Um, He was unceremoniously gotten rid of for Deshaun Watson. It is what it is. I support my team, but I do root for Baker. And this year, in a year that was prove it or lose it, can you be a starter in this league? Are you going to be a backup? Are you going to go work for CBS or Fox or whomever in the booth? And Baker came out through 28 touchdowns to 10 interceptions as almost a three to one ratio, which is some of the best in the league Threw for over 4,000 yards. First time in his career, he'd thrown for over 4,000 yards. Oh, by the way, first time he'd thrown or tied for record his rookie year. He threw 28 touchdowns this year. He threw 28 touchdowns. His best completion percentage at 64.3% and a 95 passer rating, which is top 10 in the NFL. And again, you're talking about a guy that was playing on his fourth team in two years and playing with a uh, his, I think, seventh or eighth uh, offensive coordinator in his entire time in the NFL. Like the amount of honestly, as, as, as bad as it was for him to go through all of that. Watch out for him to be, for the next five to six years, a top 10 quarterback in the league because he's basically been gone through hell, knows every single every single offense, all the experience, has seen all the looks, like, and now he's with a team that actually believes in him and actually trusts him. You know, they, they actually, when they were deciding their new OC, they brought him in and said, hey, what do you think about this guy? If we brought him in, would you be okay with that? You know, and that's a guy that was making $4 million a year, less than some backups in the NFL. And he had such a good year that they wanted to make sure he was cool with their new OC. So you talk about a complete resurgence. You talk about a guy that took over for the guy and had a better season, made it further in the playoffs, and had a better record than the guy. So what an amazing season from Baker Mayfield. And honestly, I think if 
Demar Hamlin is probably going to win, and no one will be mad about that. But I think if any three, any of these three, another one of those where whoever wins this award, it's going to be deserving. It's not, you know, there isn't really a bad option. Absolutely. And to add on to that, I just would like to say, at the time when Baker was being drafted, I thought he was the best quarterback in that draft. That has changed, obviously, because Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. But that being said, he still has the ability to be very accurate. He has probably the second strongest arm in the NFL right behind Josh Allen. And I think if he can get any consistency in his career, he could, like you said, be top 10 as well. He was just the NFC offensive player of the Pro Bowl. Now again, it's the Pro Bowl, but he won the precision passing challenge and won the uh, help lead. No, 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 no. CJ won that. No, he didn't. Baker beat CJ in the final round of the precision passing challenge. Look it up. I watched it. That's that's sad. You're better than me, but I (laughs) I saw it on Twitter. (laughs) CJ Stroud had the highest numbers in the first round. He was oh, leading. He was leading okay. going into the championship. They picked the best NFC and the best AFC, and because uh, CJ was winning in the first round, he got to pick who threw first, and he picked himself to throw first. But Baker won the actual challenge at the hmm. end. Interesting. The way they made it seem on Twitter. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, Baker Mayfield wins. All right. Imagine that. Imagine that. Anyway, uh, imagine watching that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. I will say they made the only one. People have been talking about they they made Baker Mayfield wear a sweatshirt underneath his jersey. He looked real fat. He looked real fat at the Pro Bowl, but he's still slinging it. So you know who else looked fat on social media this week? Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I don't know why they had to do him like that. I'm glad they did. That's all I got to <laughs> yeah. say. He looks fatter right. than I do. I do. <laughs> he also uh, makes more money in one year than we'll all ever make in our entire lives. That's added fine. together. So, uh, Coach of the... Nah. Nah. You're right. This YouTube page is going to This is going to go <laughs> <laughs> all right and then it'll only take like 10 years all right exactly we make exactly. what you make in one year and one episode boy that's <laughs> right that's no. right and, and we can make 50 million off of one episode bro i wouldn't We're i wouldn't be here the show. Yeah, <laughs> I'm retired. The show retired. um anyway <laughs> anyway we did it we uh coach of the year last <laughs> Last award we're going to give out. And uh, Jason, why don't we leave with you? Who my is coach. your Sorry. coach of the year? Go ahead. My coach of the year. Gosh darn it. The Texans, D'Amico Ryans. And I will tell you why. 10-7 they go. Expected to be the worst team in the NFL before the season starts. And then they have a rookie quarterback. The best player on defense is a rookie, barring Devin Singletary. That being, they have all that. Young, youthful team, 
but D'Amico Ryans brings the team together and still is somehow able to get them to a 10-7, best in the AFC South, over my Jacksonville Jaguars. And, uh, you know, they didn't look the best that game, but they still came out. Well, sorry, they beat the Browns, but they didn't look the best against the Ravens. But they still come out. They still played their bet the hardest they could have. Um, and they just need. They still need pieces. Like the fact that they got that far. The fact that they even were positive in wins. The fact that they didn't have more than they had more than two wins. Honestly, is insane to me. Like I literally thought this team was gonna get the first pick again, and the Cardinals would have ended up with the first pick in the NFL draft because of them. And then the Cardinals would have had a second pick as well. Like that. That was a hundred percent my thought process. Like. I like the trade because you go get your players when you see who you want, right? But I was like, dang, like the Cardinals are about to get one and two in the NFL draft next year. <laughs> like, but they still somehow end up ten and seven and be my favorite team and uh, make it to the AFC South champions and make it to the playoffs. Beat the Browns, who I thought was going to be a very good counter to them, and then. Yes, they did get beat by the Ravens, but the fact that they made it this far is insane. So go to Mecca Records. Something else of note uh, for D'Amico Ryans, uh, and and really their offense to to highlight, their number one target had never had over 500 receiving yards in a season, Nico Collins, and he went to a 1,200-yard receiver with C.J. Stroud and with that culture and with D'Amico Ryans. So that's something to uh, – and with their actual number one receiver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the Tank Dell got injured before he hit 1,000, but... Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think... Uh, even I think even at the time, Nico was the number one. Mm. Even when Tank Dell went down in receptions and yards, because Tank Dell had like a stretch of like five games where he was going off, but Nico Collins for the whole season tended to be the most reliable target for... Uh, for CJ Stroud. Now, would it have changed as they were growing the rapport with Tank Dell? And by the end of the season, would Tank Dell have taken over as the number one? Probably. But at even at the time, he um, had like two bad games. Tank Dell. Well, the first first week against the Ravens, give him it's the Ravens. They had, he had three catches, thirty four yards. After that, seventy two, one forty five, bad game, sixteen, fifty seven. 16, 114, 56, 149, 50. So it, I, as a rookie, as a rookie, in my opinion, no, that's, that's seven incredible. touchdowns as well total in that time span. So like, I think I think he was the number one receiver at that point. I could be wrong though, but could know, have been one A, one B too. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Nico had a couple. I mean, Nico did have a couple hundred yard games because I had him in fantasy football, but. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I'm pulling it up here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he had 65, 39, 80, 30, 18, 191, 341. Oh, sorry, that's the splits. <laughs> yeah. That's the splits. Sorry, 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 sorry. Well, we did take the 26. <laughs> so 104, 65, 54, 30, 80. Doesn't really matter. One A, one B. It's not that big of a deal. Both of them were – you had a rookie and a guy that had never been a true number one as your number one A, number one B receivers, and both of them had fantastic seasons. Sorry that we got on a three-minute diatribe about that. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Moving on, Jerry, your coach of the year. I'm actually going to pass it back to you because I talked about the team in the last award and why they were so good and what happened at the end of the season. And I know it's your favorite team. I know you haven't talked about them enough this season. Ryan, I'm going to throw it back to you and let you talk about your coach, Kevin Stefanski. Heck yeah. Well, and, and this is two awards that we've co-given out that my co-hosts here have thrown back to me because I am a Browns fan. That's what's cool about having good friends and good co-hosts. Kevin Stefanski, though, coach of the year. I don't – I honestly, D'Amico Ryans is the only other one in this conversation, I think. But Kevin Stefanski went 11-6 and six this season uh, with the largest percent of – one second – I'm sorry about that. There was audio for some reason that was in my headphones. I apologize to all of our viewers. Back to what I was saying, Kevin Stefanski, uh, 11 and six with the largest percent in the NFL of his cap on injured reserve, as Jerry highlighted earlier, basically a pro bowl roster on IR. He's the first Browns coach since Marty Schottenheimer to have multiple double digit win seasons, uh, not just like within his first four seasons. No, ever. That's how insane it is. In the Super Bowl era, I should say. Um, and he won He won games with four different quarterbacks this season. Four, he had five different starting quarterbacks all year and won with four of those guys. That is something that has not been done in a long time. Only one team has won more games with more quarterbacks, and that is the New England Patriots during a strike-shortened season. He has tied in non-strike years for most wins with the most quarterbacks, and that is absolutely absurd. So that is why Kevin Stefanski is my coach of the year and these have been our nfl awards any last thoughts on this guys no i think both coaches uh definitely deserve it um i wouldn't be mad either way it's a 1a 1b in this i agree i agree a lot of that this year not yep. as many clear cuts as uh in years past so uh, that wraps up the first half of our show. These were our uh, NFL awards for the year. We're going to go for a brief intermission, and we'll be back on the other side to preview the Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Chiefs, I like that. See you in a second. Yeah, I know. That was bad. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Unnamed Sports Show. I got a mug now, like my co-hosts have so now all three of us have mugs mug gang. Mine's empty. mug gang pounded my coffee i'm Impressive. wired i'm ready to go i'm ready to talk about the super bowl i'm drinking uh diet dr peppy so that's coffee do you know why i drink dr diet dr pepper because uh it's the sweet one <laughs> that's why uh <laughs> Uh, anyway, before we get started on our Super Bowl preview, this just blew don't forget- everybody's eardrums. <laughs> by the way. Sorry about that, guys. Sorry about that. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow us on our social media at Unnamed Sports S. We're on TikTok. We're on X. We're on Instagram. 
And uh, wherever you find your podcast, this will be uploaded afterwards to that. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, whatever you can do at that site. We really appreciate all of the support. Now on to the Super Bowl. We have the Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers. Impressive logo work, Jerry. I like it. Uh, you can tell also the NFL is rigged. I found out the reason it's rigged now. You can oh. see the red. See how the red is in the Super Bowl logo? Okay, that represents yeah. the 49ers. The oh. purple represents uh, Taylor Swift, one of her albums. I'm, I'm ready wearing, to end this podcast right now. A purple thing, which means obviously the NFL is rigged. What do you guys think? I want to say some bad words, but I can't. This is a family program. Let's start with with the Chiefs. You know, obviously they've been here before. They've been here quite frequently. They're in your division, Jerry. I guess we can start with you. What, uh, you know, give us a little uh, idea of the Chiefs season this year, how they've made it to the Super Bowl. What about their team makes them... Uh, one of the best teams in the NFL uh, right now, obviously, as we go into Super Bowl Sunday. So everybody knows this dude, Patrick Mahomes, plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he is the best quarterback in the league. I don't think there's any disputing that. He may not have the numbers that he's had in the past this season, but he can do – everything on the field he is the best at improvising he can make plays for himself make time in the pocket he's got those weird angle arm throws that just somehow are right here in the receiver's gut and there's chest they're just perfect i hate him so much when he does that but got to give credit where credit's due he's the best the reason they're in the super bowl this year is not because of him though it is because of their defense and how strong their defense has been And they're also led by the great coaching of the great Andy Reid, the cheeseburger man himself. Mr. Nuggies. Mr. Nuggies. I like that. (laughs) That's maybe my favorite commercial, I think, right now. It's so funny. It is pretty good. I laugh so hard every time. Show me give some of those Nuggies. (laughs) (laughs) But their defense has been incredible. If there's going to be one defense that's going to stop the high-powered offense that is the San Francisco 49ers, it's going to be the Chiefs' defense. That being said, I don't know. I don't think they can do it. I don't think they. I don't, I just don't think there's a defense out there that is strong enough to stop the San Francisco 49ers. With the yeah. Chiefs' plan, there's no. There's not. Nope. Never. Never seen it this year. Nope. Definitely not. Not any team. Nope. Never. (laughs) Chiefs are going to... Shut up, Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to win this game by holding onto the ball and managing the game. They're going to win this game through time of possession. The Chiefs have had a knack the past couple of weeks, specifically in the playoffs, for sustaining long drives with throws to Travis Kelsey by running the ball with Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, we're talking 11, 12 play drives that take up seven minutes off the clock. If Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey are not able to get the ball, they're not going to be able to score enough points to win this game. That's The, the Chiefs defense is going to make enough stops to to prevent the 49ers from 
and this is going to sound like an obvious point, but scoring enough points to win the game. If that kind of makes sense, they are going to be able to limit them and limit their high-powered offense because they're just going to get them out of rhythm. That's how the Chiefs are going to win this game. Patrick Mahomes is going to make some play, some play that just blows everybody's mind. It might be a rough in the passer. It might be a DPI downfield, but it's going to be some play that's going to blow somebody's mind either through the refs or by his incredible ability to make plays. And the Chiefs are going to... That's how the Chiefs are going to do it. Interesting. So you're going with the Chiefs? That's yeah. so That's so disgusting. I'm just to. kidding. I'm just joking. Um, I don't want to, but Jason- I have to. <laughs> no, I feel Jason. Uh, what do you think? Like, do you have anything to add on that about the Chiefs? What makes them special? What this season has been so fantastic? Obviously, their defense has carried them. Um, but uh, you know, what do you have to add on to what Jerry said about the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, to add on to what the Chiefs have done is that they they kind of changed. I wouldn't say changed their identity, but they adapted to what their identity needs to be for them to win so um they have let their defense carry this game patrick mahomes instead of trying to make the play has made plays to not make mistakes so that so like instead of throwing the ball down to 80 yards down to scantling or Kadarius tony to see them drop the ball <laughs> it's take the easy play improve rasheed rice's play and continue on the Travis Kelsey um, play and uh, let Isaiah Pacheco run the ball to drive the field down the ball. And if they don't get the touchdown, it's okay. Take the field goal, let the defense make the stop. So that's that's how they win. That's how they normally win. Are they going to win like that this game? Absolutely not. <laughs> the 49ers have too good of an offense to let that happen. So um, if the 49ers are going to, or sorry, if the Chiefs are going to win, they have to continue to do what they've been doing because they don't have they don't have the weapons, unfortunately, to be explosive like they were in the past. So, yeah, I think what's interesting about the Chiefs this year is they've been completely counted out after the first few games of the year, where they just you know they lose to the Lions the opening week. They just don't look like the Chiefs, what everyone expects the Chiefs to be, and nobody's like, oh, they're going to miss the playoffs. That wasn't really in the in the discussion it was more of huh you know Patrick Mahomes just had a season where he threw 50 touchdowns not too long ago and now he's he's really struggling he hasn't thrown more than two touchdowns in a game since October you know so how is he going to be able to to throw the ball downfield and then you get to the playoffs you know so they they end up they going 10 and 6 they they do win their division and they make it to the playoffs. They get the Dolphins at home in a game that's negative 30 degrees for their first game, which is a massive advantage for the Chiefs. They're able to easily get a win there. And, and Patrick Mahomes, it's like all season he's been right here. You know, 92 pass rating, not bad. 27 touchdowns, not, you know, pretty – that part's good, but also 14 interceptions. Like, that's way too many for him normally. You know, just over 4,000 yards, not really an amazing season. Pretty good still by all quarterback standards, but for Patrick Mahomes' standards, not great. And then as soon as you get to the playoffs, immediately elevates his game, immediately becomes more efficient, immediately begins to be 
he doesn't he hasn't turned the ball over in the playoffs at all. His passer rating is now over 105. It's it's closer to 110 for the playoffs. It's it's very impressive to see. Not many people, most people have a little bit of a drop off because competition goes up. It's a lot harder. The pressure's on you. He's the opposite. It's like Michael Jordan. It's like you're watching the best player in the position and they just elevate themselves. LeBron James, you're seeing Tiger Woods, you know, during the Masters, like just absolutely step up to the challenge and play better than they have all season and knock off the Dolphins. They knock off the Bills. They knock off the the vaunted uh, Baltimore Ravens who have dominated everybody this season. Absolutely dominated everybody this season. And the Chiefs were able to knock them off, held them to 10 points. You know, were able to score 17 on them. Like, they, they have answered every question – Every issue that has come to them this season, they've stepped up to the plate, they've made the play, and now they're in the game. And anybody can, you know, it's anybody's game. And if you're talking about, you know, in the Super Bowl, what matters, a lot of what matters is experience. And I'll tell you, one of these teams definitely has more playoff experience and Super Bowl experience, more accurate, more specifically, than the other, considering Kansas City is now playing in back-to-back Super Bowls. So, I know, pretty gross. Pretty, 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 pretty gross. But so, not so fast, my friend. Yeah, I, I, I like the Lee course to change pace because we are going to switch over and talk about the San Francisco 49ers. Jason, what have you seen from the 49ers this season? Obviously a very dominant team. What has kind of led him here to the Super Bowl, and what do you think uh, we're going to see on Sunday? Playmakers everywhere. Uh, we said it in the last show. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes the better players are just going to play better and win the game. Uh, the coach can only do so much. The people on the field have to execute that. And if they are able to execute like they have been all year, the 49ers are going to win this game. You have Christian McCaffrey, again, who I said is the best offensive player in the league this year. He has been. And how do the Chiefs stop him, specifically? The Chiefs can slow him down, and that's a hard task because you got to only stop him on the run game. He can catch the ball if he's not able to run the ball. And he can throw the ball, even. So... He's going to, they're going to, he, he's going to get his. How are you going to slow him down? Um, it's like, it's like you said, the LeBron factor. Like once you get to the playoffs, you know, you can't stop LeBron, right? But how can you slow LeBron down and then trap everyone else in that? I don't know the answer. You tell me. Go get Kevin Durant. That's right. Oh, the, <laughs> the, the Chiefs don't have Kevin Durant. <laughs> they have Travis Kelsey. They have, yeah. They have, they have Stephen Clay. They have Stephen Clay. <laughs> Where's KD at? They need Draymond to kick him in the, you know what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The Domicong Sioux is not playing <laughs> in this game. All right? Calm down. A good equivalent, know. though. Good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. No, I mean, I think everything that you say is, is, is a good point. And if you go across the board, the, the 49ers have the best roster in the NFL. There's really no, no question. Jerry, what have you seen from the 49ers this season? What has made them so dominant and what do you see happening in this game? I know you think the chiefs are going to win, but, but, uh, 
you know, what will it take from the 49ers, do you think? Yeah, uh, pound for pound, 49ers have the best team in the league uh, on both sides of the ball. They're they're very explosive on offense. Um, they can pretty much stop anybody on defense. However, the one thing from the 49ers that I think a lot of people don't talk about is their they're very slow to start in a lot of games. Um, we saw it in the Lions game. We saw it in the Packers game. They they kind of let teams. They're, they're the exact opposite of the Lions, right? They let teams get out to get out to leads. The Lions went up twenty four to seven on them, and then they kind of claw their way back in. They make the adjustments that they need to, which is something that Kyle Shanahan does not get a lot of credit for. Um, and honestly, why D'Amico Ryan's is is where he's at right now with uh, the Houston Texans. He came from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. He was the defensive coordinator last year, uh, but now I believe they have Steve Wilkes back there uh, uh, coordinating the defense. Who was the head coach, uh, the interim head coach last year for the Panthers? Um, but he has done a great job of also turning that defense around. Um, well, not necessarily turning them around, but kind of keeping them on the same path and making those adjustments to stop teams to keep things in front of them. So if the 49ers can get over that hump and can can get those explosive plays out of their players early and jump out to a big lead, the Chiefs are not going to be able to keep up with that. They just don't have the explosive ability on their side, uh, on their offensive side of the ball that the 49ers do. They will not be able to keep up with them. Um, and the 49ers, Brock Purdy hand the ball to Christian McCaffrey, man. Just get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. It's something that the Ravens didn't do. It's something that the uh, the Bills didn't do and the Dolphins didn't do. You have to run the ball against the Kansas City Chiefs. Their, their defensive backs are arguably some of the best in the league with Trent McDuffie and Ladarius Sneed back there. They can, they can keep up with anybody. Athletic you, linebackers, too. Yeah, so very athletic yeah. linebackers. Yeah. So if, they, if if the 49ers can keep the ball on the ground, ground and pound, sustain drives, it's the same thing that the, the, the Chiefs got to do to the 49ers. Keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand. Sustain drives, get those long drives, get Christian McCaffrey, get the legs turning, quick passes to Kittle. I know their linebackers are athletic. They're going to be able to cover him, but George Kittle is a freaking monster, dude. Get him the ball. Get him the ball. He had, he had what three targets in the game against the Lions. Like they just did not get him involved at all. Three, um, three, yeah, three three targets, two catches, just something you don't see out of Kittle. But he's one and of the best in the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. He uh, as far as blocking goes, he's best in the league when it comes yeah. to the tight end position. Best tight end blocker in the league by yeah. far. So if they if they can keep the ball on the ground, keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand, that's uh, that's how they're going to win this game and. I mean, no one would be surprised, I think, to see either of these teams win. But I think with with the line being two and a half, a lot of a lot of people are expecting the 49ers to win this game, I think. No, 100 percent. And to your point, the 49ers trailing and coming back to win has kind of been a recent uh, phenomenon to start the season. They weren't like this and they really aren't built to be the come from behind team. Now, I say that with a little bit of a grain of salt because their team is so talented and they do have very quick scoring ability. But if you look at the way that their defense specifically is built, they are built to get after the passer. They are mm -hmm. built to put pressure on the quarterback. And that is only super effective when you are winning games. If you are in really tight contests all the time or always playing from behind, you're putting your D-line that is almost exclusively great pass rushers at a significant disadvantage because the other team is going to run the ball a lot more. Uh, 
I think if you if you look at the 49ers, like let's just go through. I mean, th- this team is absolutely loaded. And let's start with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. He is a very good quarterback. At wide receiver, you have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Okay, you have George Kittle, the best blocking tight end and one of the best receiving tight ends in the NFL, too. People don't talk about that, but he's a great receiving tight end, too. You have Christian McCaffrey, the soon-to-be offensive player of the year with over 2,000 all-purpose yards. A player that we haven't talked about yet who is the best player on their team, Trent Williams, their left tackle. He is a monster, first ballot Hall of Famer. He is one of the best. He's one of the top five players in the NFL right now. He is absolutely fantastic. And when he's on the field, he makes a massive difference. Let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. You have the best linebacker in the NFL, Fred Warner, holding things down in the middle. You have Nick Bosa, one of the best defensive linemen. You have Chase Young, who is he he's he hasn't been quite the billing everyone expected him to be, but he's still a great oh, talent in the world to be. Yeah, Correct. exactly. And he's a great compliment to someone like Nick Bosa. You know, you have Traverius Tra- Tra- Ward, who's had a fantastic season this year on the back end. I mean, this is these are all pro level players everywhere, all over. Did I forget anybody? Eric Armstead, Drake Greenlaw. Yeah. Uh, yes. Hard, I mean, who was the top? five defensive tackle last year on yeah and the third best defensive tackle yeah. last year like yeah i mean what, you, what are we talking about <laughs> yeah you're talking about literally all pro players almost in every position across the board it is it's absurd and it's fantastic like they are fantastic and it reminds me of a great i'm gonna keep bringing this line up because it you know i'm sure it's not invented by jason but it was a great reminder the team that has the better players just sometimes they just they just win because they have better players, and the when you stack up roster to roster, the 49ers and anybody else in the league, you're going to be hard pressed to find anybody that has as good a roster as the 49ers do, and that is why they have been so dominant this season. They didn't get screwed by some elbow injury in the NFC playoff, an NFC championship like they did last year. Like they have their quarterback, they have all of their positions. Uh, they're really not watch like, out. too riddled with injuries, like at all. I know no. they're missing uh, Hafunga, and yeah. uh, I think he's really like the only key piece that they're missing. Yeah, everything yeah. else has been Nick's and Bruce. Debo's been in and out of the lineup, but, but he'll be there on yeah. Sunday. So, you're, I mean, again, you're talking and, – and the the Chiefs also aren't really missing anybody either, which goes to the point that the teams that generally make it far are the teams that don't get super injured throughout the season, and these two teams have been have been pretty healthy. So – you know, both of these teams have been fantastic, especially through the playoffs this year. It's a, a rematch of Super Bowl from 2019. Is that right? 2020? Mm-hmm. Three years ago, right? 20... The last Super Bowl before COVID. Yeah, so 2019. What well, have been? Hmm? Yeah, I think it was night. I think it was the 1920 season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 it was in 2020, but yeah. the 2019 season is yeah. what I was referring to. Um, so rematch of that Super Bowl. That was a great Super Bowl. That was Patrick Mahomes' first Super Bowl win. Uh, hopefully the 49ers here can steal one back because no one wants to see Mahomes. 49ers were winning that game for like three and a half quarters, too. Oh, were, yeah. They were dominating. If, if Garoppolo hits 
one pass in that game. Everyone knows the pass I'm talking about. Uh, they win that game. 49ers. Only com- no, that wasn't that game. No, that was the NFC Championship. He yeah. completed six passes. This is Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, which is crazy yeah. to think about in today's NFL. We're going to move on here to predictions and prediction winners here. Jason, I'm going to start with you. And scores, I'm sorry. Predictions and scores. Um, real quick, right now, 49ers minus 2.5, uh, over under 47.5. Jason, who do you got winning, and what's your score prediction? Give me the 49ers to win the game. I will take the line. I think they're going to win by three. It will be our – give me four. I got 28-24, 49ers. So, over. Right? Yeah, I can math. 52. Yeah. Over. Good job, good job, good job. Jerry. I hate doing it. Hate it. I hate it so much. I I alluded to it earlier, but I got to I got to take the Chiefs. I've I've come to the conclusion that I am one of the worst gambling men in the world. And if I bet on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, then the 49ers will win and defeat Patrick Mahomes and put me out of my misery. And you'll be happy. And I'll be happy. So give me the Chiefs. And I'm going to take the under. Because I think the only way the Chiefs win this game is by the, the root of their defense and by stopping Christian McCaffrey. 24-21 final score. Kansas City Chiefs. I see what you did. Yeah, smart. The double, the double reverse. The double reverse. Now I, um, which by the way, uh, the underdog in the Super Bowl are fifteen and two against the spread for the last seventeen years. So, just just so you know, uh, <laughs> no, it isn't. I don't know what they are straight up, but against the spread, uh, 15 and two. Um, I think this game comes down to the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be a tight contest both ways. I think you're going to see some major swings in momentum. I think I'm going to steal Jason's line and just say, basically the team with the better players is going to win. And that is the San Francisco 49ers barring any major injury. They are the Top to bottom, better team in this matchup. I think they match up well against the Chiefs because the Chiefs aren't as high-powered on offense. And so you just get to a one- to two-score lead against them, and you can have your defensive ends go eat. I think it is going to be low scoring for about three quarters with some explosive plays that happen. And the fourth, I think, final score is going to be 49ers take the over, 31-28 over the Chiefs. 31-28. Yeah. So we all got pretty pretty close scores. Yeah, I mean most most Super Bowls, you know, take out the last cup or not the last couple, take out a few of them, but most Super Bowls have been pretty close within a score for the last few years and I think this is uh no exception. Which su- Super Bowl are you referring to? I can't remember who played in that game. Wait, which one? A team that might have got blown out like really really bad. I just, I just can't remember. Hmm. I don't remember either, man. Seattle versus 
Oh, I'm sorry. Wasn't the oh, the Broncos. Oh, oh the Broncos. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Oh, I was just yeah. staring at my Super Bowl champions flag on the wall. I couldn't, uh, wasn't paying attention. My bad. Yeah. You, uh, right. Thanks, Von Miller, on that Super Bowl towel. Yeah. Thank you, my king. <laughs> um. But no, I think I think it's going to be a close game. I think uh, ultimately these are the two best teams in the NFL. That's what that's what these playoffs are here to determine, and that's what they that's what they determined. And I think the 49ers are going to win. So one more time, Ryan, uh, what did you say your score was going to be? 31, 31 to twenty eight. 49ers. the over and uh, 49ers with the spread. I was just jotting down in the Google Docs so we actually remember for next episode. Jot this so, down too. Jot this down too. We got Jacob Vanskoy at thirty four twenty Chiefs. Okay. Taylor like at Niners by ten. All right. Give, Taylor, give what's your what give Thank us a you. score prediction? And we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And anybody else? Vanskoy predicting a 14-point win by the Chiefs? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that one, man. Um, Anybody else uh, that's watching right now? 2010. Anybody else watching right now, go ahead and throw your score predictions in. We'll write those down. Uh, We'll make sure to check the chat after as well on the uploaded video. And uh, anybody that puts a prediction in before Super Bowl Sunday, we will uh, put those in and compare. And if we were a bigger channel, we might offer some sort of reward for whoever comes closest. But we aren't that big of a channel yet, so we're not going to do that. Uh, We'll we'll give you a shout-out. That's uh, that's the best we can do. (laughs) Eventually, one day. Eventually. But that wraps everything up for us here today. We really appreciate everyone's time. We thank you for uh, tuning in. Again, this is the last week of football. The show's going to be looking a lot different. I'm not going to lie. It'll probably be significantly shorter, especially starting out. Huh? You say that. <laughs> I say that. I say that. Who knows what will really happen, but. We'll come up uh, with some. Uh, we'll come up with some fun stuff to do. It's draft time, baby. Like, yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, our season's just starting, baby. Our yeah. season's just starting. Let's go. Dang right. Dang the road right, to so. Super Bowl Fifty Nine begins here. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to make a sports podcast was to talk about the NFL draft, and now my plan's <laughs> coming to truth. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, it's gonna be. Uh, uh, it's going to be really exciting, and uh, we really appreciate everyone tuning in. Make sure, again, the like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Go ahead and uh, follow us on our social media, and uh, this podcast will be uploaded to uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. So uh, please rate, review, follow, like, subscribe, whatever the proper words are for those websites. So thanks, everyone, again, and we will see you next week. Stop.